I want to start off top of the episode, top of the hour. Some good news, yes. Some unambiguously good news out of Michigan. Honestly, lots of good stuff's been happening in Michigan. For That's anybody true. paying attention to the news, we got some gun regulation bills that are coming up. Uh, we just passed an anti-discrimination law for the LGBTQ for yeah. employers uh, and employees in Michigan. So that's really good. Yeah, trifecta's been working. Oh yeah, trifecta's been, been working overtime. Uh, but one really good thing that just happened in Michigan, I think the the Michigan State House and the Senate both passed a repeal of right to work laws in Michigan. So incredibly gas. Heading to Gretchen Whitmer's desk. Huge move, because that's been a pain in the ass of of unions for the last, what, 10 years, since like 2013 or something? If you don't know what right to work is, we've done like two episodes focused on like what right to work is and right to work legislation, but I'll I'll, I'll go ahead and summarize it again for the one times, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, right to work, right to work states, if your state has the right to work, uh, the policy, whatever the fuck it's A lot of states do, yeah. uh, If you get hired into a workplace, you are not compelled to join the union. Mm -hmm. Uh, Basically, what that means is you can just be a fucking scab. You can suck off from all of the benefits that unions give you. You can benefit from the increased wages, benefit from the increased benefit, because employers have to give that to everyone. They can't just give it to those that are unionized. You can get increased benefits, increased pay, all of that, all without paying union dues or contributing in like general union functions it's the scab bill it's the right to be a scab it's the right to freeload yeah Yeah, exactly and it also typically along with the right to work policies makes it so employers can fire you for literally any reason in the private sector yeah usually usually right to work states are at will employment even yeah even if you are unionized you kind of just get screwed over no matter what um and bills like those policies like those have been passed throughout the last several decades funded obviously by like conservative think tanks and Mm -hmm. organizations and stuff all to make it so unions lose a lot of power so profits can be driven up because having a union means your wages go up, which typically pulls profits down or at least limits them in the short term because people need to survive and Mm -hmm. put food on the table. So repealing right to work in Michigan, along with these all, all these other good pieces of legislation that are coming through is uh, it's really good to see. That's really good. I'm I'm hoping it gives the, the union movement in Michigan, which is kind of alive and well, or at least it's, um, Entering a new stage. True. Uh, I'm hoping it can it can Especially light some fire after the uh, the the Kellogg's Kellogg uh, strikes last year. Was that in Michigan? Yeah, Battle Creek. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. And I know there's a couple Starbucks in Michigan. Our hometown. Hometown. Hometown That's Starbucks right. is right. uh, pushing for the union. I wonder how they're doing. But yeah, it's uh, it's good to see. And I'm, I'm hoping we can get even more good union It's pretty gas. Uh, oh, oh, no. Oh, no. I have, to, <laughs> I have to join a union when I get hired. I have to pay union dues, even, oh, though, no. even though the benefits that the union give me completely 100% covers my union dues <laughs> and then some. So it's basically free. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a better health care plan. I'm not going to literally lose a limb on the job. Oh, no. I'm gonna have a better life. Oh my god, they're gonna I'm gonna have more time with my family and a better work life balance. Oh no. <laughs> my life is gonna be strictly better. Those evil unionists, those radicals, those Marxist Dude, communists. Can you, can you believe these these liberal communists in office making me join a union? Oh no. Please, no. Please, Gretchen Whitmer, please. Please, President Trump, come fix this, please. <laughs> oh no, my, my favorite post I saw was that um some conservative posted on yeah. Twitter that it was like a, a quote retweet of somebody saying like this is huge like we're so glad this happened <laughs> yeah and he was like literal communists are celebrating the repeal of right to work and it's so like, true actually yes real yes. real <laughs> absolutely <laughs> Welcome back to Head in the Office, everybody. We've got a brand new episode coming at you. We've we got a lot to talk about. A lot to talk about and a special announcement. Special announcement. Right at the tippity-tippity top of the show after the uh, intro music rolls. That's right. That's right. Big announcement coming up. But first, let me tell you what we're getting to. First, sir. we got to talk about banking. 
That's right. We've got lots to talk about. Oh, with banking. we're banking experts now. Uh, we got the holy grail of bigotry coming up. Uh-huh. Very excited for that, and a little bit of Donald Trump, Donald Rump news. If you know what ooh, I'm talking about, ooh. we got we got lots to talk about for Donald Trump. And as always, check out the Patreon, TikTok, get him, get YouTube, etc. Call him Donald Baby Bump. You know <laughs> That's what I'm what saying. I'm saying. <laughs> Check out all of our links in the description. Join the Hitto community. We would love it very much if you would do that. So true. And uh, before we get into our Apple reviews, a little special announcement. Oh. We've been talking a lot of game. You know we what I'm have. saying? We talk, we're kind of we're kind of uh, trash talk experts at this point. For sure. Uh, uh, yeah, right on the, uh, like, what? how many weeks are in a year? 52? 50, something like that. Right on, like, the 52nd episode, we were in there. Like, we did it. We survived one year uh-huh. where 90% of businesses fail before the one-year mark. That's Small right. businesses to be fair, and with this announcement, it's time to finally announce that uh, Hitto Media LLC mm. was just mm. officially formed. That's right, Hitto we, Media LLC. <laughs> we are now officially a small business and officially uh-huh. the backbone of America. It's, and as soon as we started our business, we put a ton of money into SVB and then pulled it out. <laughs> then it's we all can- fucking gone. It's all gone. <laughs> we did the bank run. That was us. <laughs> we got into the group chats with Peter Thiel and we were like, bro, you gotta <laughs> tell him to pull it out. <laughs> We became one of the big Silicon Valley investors. Instantly, we got put in a venture capitalist Facebook group. <laughs> yeah. We started the bank run, actually. Like, guys, guys, get all your money out. Go, 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 go. <laughs> Knowing that ours was insured go, by go, FDIC. Go. <laughs> guys, it's all falling go apart. Go right now. Go there, literally, crumbling. Go, go. <laughs> In all seriousness, of course, we didn't start the bank run, but Hitto Media LLC is a real thing. We're not yes. joking about yeah, that. We've officially started the business. So cool. Uh, we talked a lot of crap about how we're better than small businesses, so we said, let's put our money where our mouth is, That's literally, right. That's right. and start Hitto Media LLC. Uh, and of course, it. if you want to support Hitto Media LLC and you want to see more content oh out of goodness. us as a media company now, That's right. you can go over to Patreon, um, and you can prevent us from being a failing bank. <laughs> so true, so true. You can help sure us reach collapse. our goal. I guess we can uh, move the goalpost officially once the LLC is formed to yeah. last a year, which uh, I think will happen at this rate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we got it in the bag so Especially easy. We can get some more bread, get some really more content. Never done anything easier in my life. That's what I'm saying. But we got to get to uh, the people that also support us, which are those Apple reviews and Instagram reviews. That's right. So we're going to read them off right now, our five-star reviews on Apple. If you want it read off on the show, you know where to go. We do this every single week. Yes, you do. Subject line, based in classy, an obvious five out of five by Corte165. Corte says, real bold dog. Whatever it is you're looking for, these guys got it in them. That's Coming right. Coming from someone who has never uh, been a podcast listener, they got me hooked. If you're looking for a humorous but real take on the latest shenanigans of America of the American reality show, you're in the right place. Their content is very welcoming and feels like you're sitting down and having a chat with the boys. It it's easy to fall in love with these two in a totally non uh, in a totally not parasocial way. In a, in a romantic way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I find myself eagerly awaiting every new episode. Hitto today, hitto tomorrow, hitto always. Gonna have to put that on a That's t-shirt. a good one, actually. <laughs> P.S. I listen on Spotify, but I had to give these two a five star on Apple. Much love from Renee. Thank you Example so much, Renee. of like model listening behavior. That's right what there. I'm saying. Uh, in, in a not parasocial way, though. In exactly. like a, yes, a completely so healthy, separated way. And they also have a, a thriving social life outside of us. Exactly. Um, uh, anyway. All our <laughs> listeners are really cool. Yeah, yeah. Next, <laughs> next review. Uh, this is the geopolitical podcast by I am Doyle Eleven. I am Doyle says this podcast is incredible for keeping up with the fast descent into madness that seems to be happening. Not only are Jeremy and Gage very knowledgeable about politics, quote, especially or uh, parenthesis, especially geopolitics, so true. But their coverage is funny as well. I highly recommend listening while at the gym. These boys discuss the insanity going on around the country. 
that has helped me lose over 40 pounds. Let's go. Good shit. Unfortunately, that progress has been complicated recently due to all of the meatball round discussion. <laughs> Keep up the good work, boys. Sorry. I, I'm sorry if you're listening to this pod before you eat and we say meatball round and you get hungry and then overeat. I'll take the L on that exactly. one. That's exactly. That's on me. Yeah. yeah That's yeah. on me. Last app review here is best pod 10 out of 10 will recommend by your local ace. They say, I'm a non-binary person who lives in Kansas. So right off the bat, I wanted to thank you for covering the news <laughs> in Kansas tough. this past week. Yeah. No, that's, that's really tough. I hadn't seen any headlines from my own state, but I had news from Missouri and Arkansas and hearing the awful stuff happening in my own state be delivered in a way you guys always deliver news made me feel a little bit better about things. I'm going to have to stay here for college for a while longer, but I hope this pod is around for however long it takes for me to get my news and social media degree or sports media degree. Also, as a Wednesday weenie, I'm going to politely ask my fellow weenies to subscribe on the Patreon if they have the means. Absolute dub. I gotta say, absolute dub. I gotta say, these three reviews. This is these these are mo- this is a model set of reviews. Right this this here. might be the best set of reviews we've ever had. E- each individually hit all of the all of the points, mm-hmm. like all the necessary. Plug the Patreon. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Degrade the Wednesday listeners. Exactly. Um. Best geopolitics. Parasocial relationship. Parasocial relationship. Model. You think they reviews. work together to hit all these bases? Honestly, you, honestly, you, you would. They uh, really diversified. Uh, and it, it's like an assembly line. You know what I'm saying? Also, I just put this on our Instagram and our Twitter, but we just hit 100,000 plays total. That shit is crazy. That's actually insane. On Anchor and Spotify. Yeah, not yeah, counting through, YouTube. On the on the podcasting platforms, yeah. we had 100,000 plays in total, uh, and we can't thank you guys enough because that's that a, a pretty incredible number. Kind fantastic. of unfathomable. On oh, God, it's so high that I cannot comprehend having 100,000 uh-huh. of anything. Yeah, and we're we're coming up on 100 episodes in like a few months. Like so 10 that's, weeks. That's pretty crazy, yeah. Like 10, yeah. 11 weeks, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Now it's time for the Instagram that's reviews. That's right. The, the humble Instagram reviews. This one's from Ren. My five-star review. I found Hitto through TikTok and I've been watching since around Christmas 2022. As a queer teenager in northern Georgia, it's difficult to find people around me that agree with me politically, but it's great to listen to the boys debunk the nonsense I hear on a daily basis and poke fun at our political system. I now play Hitto daily mm. and can often go through an episode or two in one sitting. Maybe someday I can get enough money to become a Sunday superstar, but until then, I'll be hanging with the Wednesday weenies keep up the good work boys <laughs> oh my god shout outs to our day one shout shout multiple hittos in a day that's crazy. multiple hittos in a day is wild that's crazy that's got a favorite episode and everything ridiculous mm-hmm. this one's from Aiden show review titled gas fire napalm as a fresh leftist skating down the radical pipeline it is nice to hear people my age speak about international political issues in a way that is funny and very articulate mm-hmm. the handsome Jeremy and Gage are now my weekly <laughs> fix of news and the only podcast I look forward to i'm now doing my civic duty five stars on spotify leaving a review mm-hmm. and ditching my title as wednesday weenie and joining the patreon as a sunday Let's sigma subscriber go. now i call supremacist. now i call all on the call on the new listeners to follow my footsteps as do i that's crazy. That's great. We'll see if we can make uh, banking a fun episode or a, a fun topic this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hopefully you enjoy banking, our discussion uh, banking monetary and policy. bonds and <laughs> yeah. bank balance sheets and fractional reserve banking. Uh, is that uh, is that it for our reviews today? That is. All right, let's I get to the news then. What's if I if I miss the Instagram one, just resend it. Exactly. Resend it. Let us know. Be like, hey, you didn't read this. Yeah, or make if, fun know, of me. If we missed an Apple one, maybe you live in another country. Let us know. True. I'm not going to I'm not gonna blame you for having a, a non-American spawn point. You know Facts. what I'm saying? 
You know what I'm saying? So let's get right into the news then. We got to talk about bank collapses uh, and literally so much that is connected to this because it's a lot more complicated than I think a lot of people understand. But and at the same time, a whole lot of uh, bad takes yeah. surrounding like everything that's going on with it. That's what I was going to say. We've got a lot of bad takes to talk about from the right and the left. Oh. But we'll get there. We'll get there. So as we indicated last week uh, at the end of our episode, the Silicon Valley Bank has completely collapsed. And we promised that we talk about it more as more information came out. And uh, we're here to, to fill you all in. And you all need to get ready. Strap in. Strap in. Because we're about to get into the weeds uh, on banking this in this e- country. Econ 103, baby. Come on. Yeah. And, and the situation is interesting. Although, you know, you might not think of banking and interesting going together <laughs> uh just because so few people really understand how how politics and the economy interact um yeah. political economy if you will they don't really seem to to know what's going on so let me run through the story first i'll give you uh the brief overview of exactly what happened and then we'll get into our critiques what's going to happen in the future and kind of the the general systemic understanding of why our banking system is really really bad yeah uh, so here's the story. Just about a week ago, Silicon Valley Bank, also known as SVB, will probably oscillate between the two names. The 16th largest bank in the United States, formerly, because uh, they collapsed, which marked yeah, the they're second. They're not a bank anymore. Yeah, they marked it, which marked the second largest bank failure in U.S. history following Washington Mutual in 2008, which was the housing recession, which we'll also talk about in a moment. SVB was a prime choice for a lot of Silicon Valley tech road types. So, like your Peter Thiel's, your venture capitalists of the world. Uh, I recently learned that Peter Thiel's name is an anagram for the reptile which i thought was crazy no way <laughs> yeah. no, no way literally it's an anagram so, for the reptile there's got that's be. perfect no i think that's a, uh that's actually excellent but yeah so venture capitalists those kinds of people were in uh, had a lot of money tied up in silicon valley bank and at the time of its collapse svb held somewhere north of 200 billion dollars which obviously isn't anywhere near, say, like um, J.P. Morgan Chase, et cetera, yeah. but it's still a pretty big bank, again, 16th largest. It's a lot of money. Uh, and it's it's a, a massive deal for a bank of this size to collapse. And SVB's whole shtick was was serving tech startups, right? That's yeah, kind of like their the thing that they did. their main consumer base. Uh, well, previously. was their <laughs> yeah. main consumer base. Uh, as SVB grew, it was growing over the last several years in a low interest rate environment, which is going to be big in a reason for a reason that I'll explain in a moment. And they had a lot of deposits coming in because interest rates were low and people were looking for things like loans, et cetera. And as every bank does, and this is the major problem with banking in the United States, SVB was taking in deposits and then either lending that money out and charging interest on it to make yeah. money that way, or they were straight up spending the money on U.S. bonds, which is kind of the big deal here. It's, it's also it's also so complicated because that is a core like way that GDP grows and mm-hmm. that like the, the money supply and everything grows is because of fractional reserve banking. Banks, are, banks that hold more than $18 million are only required to keep 10% of their actual deposits on right. hand to lend out. The other 90% of that money gets lent out in the form of loans or is invested in bonds, stocks, their portfolio, other things. Right, right. And for a, a bank like Silicon Valley Bank, money is going out for, again, things like tech startups, yeah. which uh, we'll get into a little bit later, but aren't really producing any tangible value. They're, they're doing venture capital. Uh, which causes other problems for our economy, which we'll uh, discuss about as I talked about. But again, a lot of SVB's deposits uh, that they were spending were tied up in U.S. Treasury bonds that they purchased with when interest rates were near zero percent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so interest rates were very low. And to combat inflation, as we talked about before, the Fed started to raise interest rates. So the value of the bonds that SVB had went down. I don't think we really have uh, time to discuss the ins and outs of why interest yeah. rates uh, so thoroughly impact U.S. Treasury the, bonds. The, but the, the, the basic basics behind it is that like you you buy a bond yep. when there's a certain interest rate, right? You mm-hmm. can buy a three-month, one-year, or 10-year bond. Right. At the end of whatever time you purchase the bond for, you will get some return. They're usually pretty low yield, so when 
big places like banks do it. They do it with volume yes. to try and actually make a considerable amount of money back. And that's what SVB did. They had tons of money tied 43% up in 43% of their portfolio was tied up in U.S. bonds. And that's one of the biggest criticisms of what happened here is that they were way too over leveraged in bonds. Yep. Their portfolio yep. was not nearly as diversified as it should be for right. an account as big as they are. And something as mm, integral to the economy right. as what they were doing. They kind of fumbled the bag with that one. But anyway, so you purchase bonds at specific interest rates and you'll get some yield at the end of that. Yeah. When interest rates go up and you need to get rid of those bonds, you have to sell those bonds for less than what you got them at for. A discount, yeah. Because anyone who wants to buy a bond now can just buy a new bond at the new interest rate for the same price and make more money. Exactly. That's how the bonds sort of get devalued. Right, exactly. And so the problem is that because bonds take so long to mature, if yeah. you, especially if you buy the a Silicon Valley bond, had 10-year bonds. Um, and they didn't have enough time to mature. Yeah. Silicon Valley lost a fuck ton of money yeah. on these bonds, and they were trying to get rid of it. And I don't remember what the loss was, but it was you know several uh, billions it was of about, dollars. It was about $1.8 billion. Because yeah. like, what, what happened, why they needed to sell their bonds in the first place and realize their loss before the bonds matured was that um, we didn't really talk about it, but the tech industry has been going through like a really hard time recently. The last, like, yeah. I want to say two, maybe three months, they've been going through massive layoffs. So cash has been pretty tight. The industry has been tight. And that Silicon Valley Bank's main consumer base is yeah. tech bros and uh, other annoying people like that. So when money got tight for them, they had to withdraw money from the bank to try yeah. and cover their their overhead, their expenses, their payroll, all that other shit. And so when that happens, and with things like what I explained earlier, fractional reserve banking only having 10% on hand, it sort of caused a liquidity crisis mm -hmm. because they only had to have $20 billion on hand. And there were accounts there, I think, that had over $20 billion oh, in for one sure. individual account. 100%. Right? So yeah. when they're panicking and they're just taking money out because they need it to run their business, it creates a liquidity crisis within yeah. SVB, and they need to they need to quickly resolve that so they can stay compliant with the Fed yeah, and compliant with just laws and everything. And, and that's the other big thing is that as interest rates have been going up over the last few years or so, there were less deposits coming in, so they were yeah. just straight up having less money to hand out, and people were, of course, also seeking less loans which mean, because the interest rates were higher, um, so SVB just wasn't taking in money, mm -hmm. and I also mad they were practically gambling with money, as yeah. banks do. Um, and they were just losing a ton of money. And SVB communicated this loss with their customers, which was probably yeah, because a mistake. They, they announced after they sold their bonds, they announced that they had taken $1.8 billion losses on those bonds and that they were going to be selling stock to raise a further $2.2 billion to try yeah. and cover that and cover their liquidity issues that they were having. Right. And I had heard somewhere that since about September, SVB's like in, been insolvent. Yeah. Like they, they haven't had what they need to operate, but they were fine up until now because once they announced this major loss mm -hmm. because of the U.S. bonds, uh, a lot of their wealthy customers literally got together Made a group chat. Us in a group chat. And <laughs> did a bank run. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, and I'm not exaggerating. Like, Peter Thiel was in a group chat saying, like, pull your money out now. They're yeah. insolvent. They can't operate anymore. And this, of course, triggered a bank run, which made it so SVB literally could not pay its depositors. Mm -hmm. The money simply wasn't there. It was tied up in other things or just lost. Yeah, once that 10% um, runs out, there's nothing that they can do. Yep. And, like, and that's fucked. what... And so when you see like a bank collapses, that's that's usually what it means is they don't the money's not there yeah. anymore. Uh, all because they were gambling with other people's money. And you know what? Um, this story is complicated morally because I hate these tech bro people. <laughs> I, I hate the venture capitalists, the Peter Thiels, et cetera. But it was SVB's fault. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it, yeah. it was them. They, they fucked up their risk management. And it's even more SVB's fault when we get into something we're going to talk about later with the former CEO literally lobbying the Trump administration yes. to repeal yeah. – um, 
Uh, it's Dobbs something Consumer Protection Dodd Act. Dodd-Frank. Dodd-Frank Consumer Protection several provisions, Act. yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that soon, too. But one qu- uh, quick point of clarification that we have to talk about. A lot of people have been comparing this to bank failures from the 2008 mortgage housing crisis. Yeah. Uh, and it's not the same thing. These are pretty oh, distinct no. events. Uh, SVB, the threat is, is pretty easy to follow with SVB and, of course, another bank that we'll talk about in a moment that mm-hmm. also failed. But with the 2008 housing crisis, functionally what happened, if I can offer a, a very simplified understanding of the yeah. very complex couple of years leading up to the housing crisis people were making people in banks specifically were making tons of money off of what was called mortgage-backed securities Mm -hmm. these are basically bundles of mortgages that like you as an individual get on your home and then people were making investments on those mortgages and taking loans out on the securities those were like triple a rated securities people thought they were very very safe because typically people are always paying back their mortgages you gotta pay your house payment you 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 think (laughs) you think the money is always going to be there so they're voted or they were uh, rated very high by a lot of crediting agencies and lenders wanted to maximize these securities because people are making a fuck ton of money Mm -hmm. the only way to do that though is to offer more and more mortgages and of course uh there comes a point where people don't have the money for mortgages anymore uh you're, you're eventually you hit the the bottom of the barrel of who can actually pay these mortgages back and eventually, they without were, they were knowingly giving out mortgages to people yeah. that they knew could not afford to and pay these mortgages. Exactly, those were what were uh, called subprime mortgages yeah. or subprime loans. That people got trapped in really bad loans that had low interest rates to start off, that had really high interest rates later on. They just couldn't pay these mortgages back, and eventually the bubble popped. People mm-hmm. lost tons of jobs. People died because people of lost this. their homes. Yeah, banks lost tons of money uh, that were eventually bailed out, of course. <laughs> uh, and the problem here with the 2008 mortgage crisis is that. The money literally never existed. It, it wasn't yeah. there. It was it was actually them just gambling with people's money, and it was all very speculation based. Then, of course, you add derivatives into that, which I won't even begin to explain. <laughs> but it made it all very complicated in a complex web of things that never really existed. And it's also with two thousand eight, the banks were directly targeting people that they knew could not yes. pay these mortgages back, and it was all built on these subprime mortgages that caused the collapse. With Silicon Valley Bank, it's based on over over leveraging an investment that you mm-hmm. shouldn't have over leveraged into and something that they should have predicted was going to happen, but they kind of just fucked up their risk management. Yeah, and th- this wasn't like a a, a market or a uh, an industry that had a bubble that popped or anything like exactly. that. It was literally just SVB was making bad decisions. And it's not based on making bets on people who they knew couldn't deliver. Right, exactly. It was based on making a bet on what is, what usually is the safest possible investment that you can make in the form of a government bond. Yep, yep. And this fear of uh, depositors losing money, which triggered a bank run, seemed to also spread over to another brand, another bank which collapsed on Friday, Mm -hmm. that being Signature Bank out of New York, which I think served like lawyers and legal type companies. I think it was less tech bros and more more that kind of, uh, more that. I I don't understand how that collapsed. I would imagine it's just because- I think it's a bank run. I think the venture capitalists there talk to the ones in Silicon Valley Bank and they're like, just pull your money out. Banks are fucked. No, I think that's exactly what it was. I think uh, the people from SVB, well, they were, as soon as SVB went down, they were screaming, right? They were like, we need to get all of our money back and we'll talk soon (laughs) about- Everything's on fire. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk soon about the FDIC and, and how all of that played in and how like, you know, bank runs can be contagious, et cetera, mm-hmm. and hurt the economy on a, on a larger scale. But I think this is what people like Peter Thiel wanted, because if you get multiple banks to fail, then the government has no choice but to bail you out. You know what I yeah. mean? And they, cause you have to put an end to it. Otherwise, like the country's done. <laughs> like you, you can't just have all the money disappear. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think this is, this was basically just because the system is trust-based and people got scared. 
Uh, yeah. So they so they pulled it, their money. It's out. all based on trust and speculation. That's how yeah. banking fucking works, especially and fractional reserve banking. Two things are important to note. First, Signature Bank and SVB were regional banks, right? They're not yeah. these. Ma- they're big, obviously, billions of dollars. Two hundred billion dollars in the, Signature Bank, right? But they're not as massive as again, like the J.P. Morgan Chase, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, but the second thing is also connected to those larger banks is that these the people that had to pull all their money out of Signature and they're gonna or SVB and they're gonna get it back through the federal government are gonna end up going to these larger banks. Yeah. Um, uh, which is just going to make the problem worse. It's just going to consolidate the <laughs> yeah. problem into these banks. And to be fair, like your J.P. Morgan Chases, they have more diversified portfolios, and they are so big that they are under They're more, more strict yeah. scrutiny. Yeah, but uh, I think we could up that. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> and now there's many facets to this conversation, right? We just gave you a brief overview, a sum- well, brief kind of. Yeah. Uh, we gave you a summary of what has happened, uh, and we need to talk about the federal government's response because that's a pretty big deal. Then we got bad takes from the left and the right, and we'll offer our uh, general critique at exactly. the end here. And just even just speaking to bankrupts, it's not like a bank run at J.P. Morgan Chase couldn't happen, right? Right. As soon as trust fails within a bank, and many people start withdrawing, you don't even need many people. You just need 10% of the money to be withdrawn and Mm -hmm. a bank run is going on. That bank is likely to fail, probably going to fail unless the government steps in immediately. Well, yeah. And if you can, if you can trigger a bank run with a group chat, something seems wrong. You're real. Because with Silicon Valley Bank, it really only took like, what, 10 people to freak out and pull their money out for the bank to collapse because, you know, Peter Thiel and his friends have so much money. Exactly. They have such a significant portion of the deposits within that bank that they personally hold that they can just do it themselves. Exactly. That seems like a bit of a problem. Like the consolidation of wealth is going to make bank runs, if not more likely, just a lot easier. Which is also another problem with Silicon Valley Bank specifically because they catered so specifically to tech companies. Not only were their investment portfolio is not diversified, but their client base portfolio was not diversified. So when the tech sector has these massive layoffs and is having these massive financial struggles right now, they're going to struggle because of that. Only 2.5 or 3.5% of Silicon Valley Bank's customers had less than $250,000 in the bank. (laughs) Oh, shit. Yeah. I didn't realize it was that bad. They were were pretty much only serving these big tech companies. Well, speaking of that 250K number, uh, we we can talk about Biden and the government's response first. So a a, a little bit of background. Since FDR's presidency in the 1930s, 40s, uh, and as a part of our recovery out of the Great Depression, it's generally been accepted that the FDIC, which for those that don't know is the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, will insure a set amount of money that you have in a bank that you'll always get back Mm -hmm. in the event that a, a bank run happens or a bank collapses or something like that so there's been a set amount of money since that time that you are insured but beyond that point you don't get that money back anymore Mm -hmm. uh i I don't know what it started off as but in 2008 2009 it was raised up to two hundred fifty thousand dollars. and since then it's generally been accepted that if a bank run ever happens if your bank collapses you get two hundred fifty thousand dollars back but that's it you know after that the money's just gone but the federal government will insure that much and the idea is to avoid a bank run people have to trust that their money isn't going to be completely gone Mm -hmm. right uh, and this will work for people that obviously have $250,000 or less or maybe a little bit more. You know, people won't feel like they need to pull their money out. But obviously for people that have billions of dollars or yeah. that have billion dollar worth of company and assets, uh, that's not going to work so well. And the FDIC couldn't, well, before, up until now, couldn't yeah. or wasn't going to cover more than $250,000. But in a sort of extraordinary, unheard of move, Biden promised that the, f- the federal government is going to get back all of their money mm-hmm. beyond $250,000. Like the, the full amount that they had in the bank, they will get back every all penny All like they have. $200 billion that was yeah. lost will be given back to whoever yeah, respectively it, held it. Th- this seems 
on its face sort of innocuous like okay people are getting their money back but this yeah. is like an enormous move because oh, yeah since the 30s or 40s or whenever the fdic stuff passed through congress and was signed mm-hmm. into law uh it was a set amount and that was it right it's that was entirely the unprecedented rule. yeah yeah it's a, it's a huge move for biden and the treasury to say like yeah you're getting everything back and of course the fed is involved too but yeah. to say that you're getting everything back your billions of dollars is um is huge i mean it's it's a huge deal yeah and it's important to note that biden also uh they came out and said that none of this money will be coming from taxpayers that's what he said yeah he, that's what he said most of this money will all of this money will come from a fund that banks collectively pay into mm-hmm. uh when for when things like this happened yeah, exactly. There's that pool of money that they're going to use uh, through, I don't know if it's a Federal Reserve or just like a, a federal agency. I think the Fed holds it. on to it. Um, and then they're also said that they're going to sell off all of the assets of SVB and Signature yes. Bank because they took the federal government took over the uh, assets of those banks. They're going to sell all of that off and then use the pool of money and make everybody whole. But it's not entirely obvious to me that all of the money is there. You know what I mean? Because we're talking about billions of dollars. Yeah, $200 billion. Well, plus that of Signature Bank as uh, well. Yeah. So I don't know maybe it's all there in that fund and also they'll get the rest of it out of selling the assets. But I mean, if it's not all there, I can only imagine that it's, it's gotta be taxpayers. Well, yeah. Right? Cause if it doesn't come from there, that's where it has to come from. I mean, either that or we're minting more money, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's one of those two options. Um, but I do hope it doesn't come to that. And Biden said the taxpayer is not going to share the burden. So I guess we'll just have to see, wait and see. But the important note here is that the bank isn't being bailed out. Like in 2008, there's no bank bailouts happening. It's the customers that are being bailed out. The yeah. bank is gone. It's never coming Im- back. really important. You can't understate enough. This Silicon Valley bank and Signature Bank do not exist anymore. Right. It's gone. They, they've been completely taken in by the federal government. Their assets are owned by the U.S. government yep. to be sold off to make up this money. There is, there's no possible way that these banks could be bailed out because they don't exist. And that's where you kind of get into uh, critiques from the left that yeah. have been not so right and not so good or productive. Yeah, because you got people saying like, oh, why are customers being bailed out? And look, as much as I hate the Silicon Valley tech yeah. bros, as much as I hate venture capitalists, of course, like as a person on the left, uh, it's not necessarily their fault that the CEOs and executives of the bank were gambling with their money and made a really bad investment. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, you can make broad systemic critiques about how they play into that system, but be under conditions of capitalism, you got to park your money somewhere. And if that bank goes under because of the decisions of somebody else, it doesn't really make sense to just let the economy collapse and yeah. bank runs spread throughout the entire nation. And it also does not make sense. It would not be principled to us as socialists, as Marxists, as whatever, to punish the people who are on these companies' payrolls. Yes, for well, that, that's it. That's because all it. Yeah. if this money wasn't going to come back, if these companies were losing billions and billions of billions of dollars they could not afford to pay their workers payroll's the big one yeah. exactly yeah yeah payroll's the big thing because a lot of businesses are tied up or were tied up in svb that if they weren't given their money back from the federal government uh they have to fire people yeah. companies that they're contracting with say for like janitor staff or whatever it may be they can't pay those then those businesses are hurting then those businesses have to cut workers off their payroll and it causes like a sort of a cascade a domino effect where lots and lots of people are losing their yeah. jobs and if the federal government doesn't step in and reimburse them, then that could have been a, a huge issue. The critique here should not be that the federal government did this, that the federal government is bailing out the companies here. Yeah. The critique should be that we live in a system where the 
federal government has to bail out these companies when something like a bank run happens, that we allow banking as an industry to be propped up like this to where it is too big to fail and that no one is really punished when things go awry. Yeah, and and too big to fail is the key here. And you heard that a lot, obviously, following 2008. But the idea is that these companies or banks are so big that if they were to fail and we were to allow them to fail in the sort of free market of competition, Mm -hmm. everything's done, right? We can't, like we live in a system where, and it sucks that it's like this. I hate that it's arranged this way, but we live in a system where banks and corporations control massive amounts of money. And if they are to fail and to lose all that money, like regular people, working class people die because of it, yeah. right? Like they don't have access to what they need to survive. And it sucks that it's arranged that way, but we have to acknowledge political and economic realities and hopefully fight to change those realities. But right now, if we allow the banks to fail, the country's done. Mm-hmm. Like we, we don't have any more. As, as fictive and speculative and non-existent and immaterial as our economy already is, it really won't exist at that point. Yeah. There's no more yeah. money to be had. Uh, so we don't really have a choice. And, and, and some lefties, it's not, not even a majority, but some oh, lefties no. I've seen- It's have, just loud ones on Twitter. Have Yeah, have been criticizing this move. And it's like, if if we allowed the banks to fail, we're not getting a communist re- revolution, right? Yeah. Like, like that's It's just not going to happen. It, the, the banks aren't going to be replaced by a fucking communism or yeah. whatever. The banks are yeah. not going to be replaced. These politicians are not going to be replaced by new, actual, principled socialist politicians. Right. You're just going to fucking start. It's just over, right? Yeah. Like, the, like that's just the end of the country. Uh, and obviously that's not what we want to do. But speaking of reforms, Biden recently called on Congress, I think just this past week, maybe on Friday, mm-hmm. Thursday, something like that. He had a press conference where he was calling on Congress to work on new regulations to tighten restraints on executives. More specifically, he asked for penalties on uh, executives and to make it easier for the government to kind of forcibly squeeze the money out of executives if yeah. they're fucking up with their banks. It's gas. So fucking um, sick. There's that. And there's also, of course, uh, you want to talk about the, the 20 2018 uh, repeals. Yeah, so basically talked about it a little bit before, but the the actual CEO of Silicon Valley Bank had a hand in lobbying the Trump administration to repeal a certain aspect of the uh, 2010 Dodd-Frank yeah. Consumer Protection Act. The aspect of this that was repealed that's important to the Silicon Valley Bank collapse is that um, previously – 2010 and on, as a result of the 2008 financial crisis, Mm -hmm. banks with over $50 billion in assets were required to have stricter scrutiny. Uh, They were subject to more regulators and stricter regulation in order to avoid things like this happening. Sounds good to me. Sounds fantastic to me. Uh, Critics have pointed out that had this not be repealed, that this wouldn't have happened. Silicon Valley Bank never would have been allowed to buy that many bonds at whatever interest rate, at such a low interest rate. They never would have done that. We wouldn't be in this fucking position right now. I wouldn't have had to read about the banks all morning. Mm -hmm. None of that. Right. None of that. Because you could have imagined regulators from the federal government coming in, looking at the assets and the stocks and, you know, what Silicon Valley Bank owns and saying like, oh, this is a problem. The fundamentals are fucked here. Like, you you do not have the money to pay out. A bank run is inevitable unless you fix this. Yeah. But of course, deregulation causes this kind of thing. I mean, it's almost it's almost like a, a a comedic example, a comical example of how this always works. Exactly, we deregulate, then we get massive failures of some kind, either out of a corporation or a bank and or some combination. It's also, just insane the 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 way that the asset threshold yeah. for the stricter regulation got moved. It got moved from fifty billion to two hundred and fifty billion. Huge jump. That's a huge fucking difference. Two hundred. I can't even comprehend two billion of two billion of anything, let alone yeah. two hundred billion of anything. Right. Massive jump, massive jump. And this repeal, this deregulation is a direct, 
is directly what caused this. Yeah. No, no. And it, it, like five years ago, right? Yeah. Like it was five years ago. And then, uh, I don't know, the stress test uh, uh, regulations just no longer existed. Mm -hmm. And of course, something like this happens because when it was raised, what is it, $250 billion yep. right now after the deregulation? And obviously, SVB falls under that threshold. So they were considered a small bank. <laughs> Your mom and pop's bank. The for 16th being the, yeah. largest bank in the country, a small bank. I feel like our classification system is a little messed up if we're considering exactly. that to be. Just a, a family. <laughs> yeah, no, that's uh, that's crazy. So that's our, our coverage of the federal government and the, the left-wing response. But I think it's time to talk about the right-wing response. Oh, even crazier. <laughs> uh, you will not be surprised to hear that conservatives have found a way to blame the bank failures on gay people. Oh, yeah. And I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> so on Fox News, Ron DeSantis about the bank failures said, I mean, this bank, they're so concerned with DEI and politics and all kinds of stuff. I think that really diverted from them focusing on their core mission. So just blaming diversity. For sure. Uh, shortly after that, co-founder of Home Depot, also a conservative, apparently, said... I feel bad for all the people that lost their money in this woke bank. You know, it's more distressing to hear that bank officials sold off their stock before this happened. It's depressing to me. Who knows whether the Justice Department will go after them? They're a woke company, so I guess not. And they'll probably get away with it after Biden said they shouldn't get away with it. Real. After Biden talked about ways to actually yeah. hurt the money of these CEOs. And the big one that a lot of people were talking about this week, uh, an opinion piece by Andy Kessler in the Wall Street Journal, he wrote... Was there regulatory failure? Perhaps. SVB was regulated like a bank, but looked more like a money market fund. Then there's this. In its proxy statement, SVB notes that besides 91% of their board being independent and 45% women, they also have, quote, one black, one LGBTQ, and two veterans. I'm not saying 12 white men would have avoided this mess, but the company may have been distracted by diversity demands. For that sure. was For this sure. guy's <laughs> take in the Wall Street Journal opinion section. What the fuck are you talking about? I think it about? was the two veterans, personally. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, and it's also like two veterans are diversity yeah, now. I, I think it's the two veterans that did this. Well, what do like, they know? You, you can't make up that they're literally blaming LGBTQ black people and women for a bank failure as if their yeah. board still isn't majority men, it white also, old men. It also just positions these things as mutually exclusive. Yeah. Like, why can you not just hire a black person or hire a gay person? Why does yeah. that have to take up all your time and mental capacity? Why can't you do that while also doing proper risk management? Well, you know, banks didn't fail before uh, gay people were on the boards. Yeah, before uh, gay people got invented. Well, before you had one black person on the board, uh, 2008 was fine. Nothing <laughs> happened there. Well, historically, in the 1930s, 1920s, there were no white people on the boards exactly. back then. You know, uh, I have a lot of gay friends. All they talk about is mortgage-backed securities. <laughs> I can't hear anything. You walk into any of the DEI offices on a college campus, you will not stop hearing about fixed finance rates. It's so woke. It's so it. woke. Ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's just, you just you can't get it. You know, uh, a lot of crypto bros were involved in the Stonewall riots. <laughs> <laughs> it's th this is such an unserious position to have because it's like i thought i thought conservatives were supposed to be the economically intelligent ones yeah you know i thought they, they were, were supposed, supposed to, to be, be the ones focused on like economic uh -huh. theory guys no you you don't understand the graphs the fucking the the ppi the production possibilities index the the this stagflation like just just, just say you hate black people no, literally, move on. just say you don't like the gays like that's you don't have to blame bank failures on them you can just yeah. say you don't like them like just do it at this point just get rid of the euphemism it's already mostly gone uh -huh. anyway 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And even last week at the end of the show, we we talked about this a little bit. When the, the bank first collapsed, like the next day, mm-hmm. I had seen conservatives posting a picture of the head of risk yes. assessment and just that she was a gay woman. And actually, she did bad risk assessment because she was gay, not because I'm sure they were mandated and she had a hand in it. No, you, you, you want to know the kicker with that? Yeah. Is that for like nine months, they didn't have a head of risk management. they didn't have one like maybe that contributed to the problem not it being a gay woman and it's come on like Like, she she could also do bad risk management and like girls yeah (laughs) i do it all the time you know what i'm saying that's what i'm saying is like 2008 there were no heads of rich risk management that weren't gay you know what i mean like they all did a great job of their exactly um occupy wall street when the wall street people were popping champagne over protesters they were all white and they were fine (laughs) yeah no they were doing a great job (laughs) they're doing wonderfully actually talking about i don't know golf it's such a stupid <laughs> fucking to like i i I, just, I i mean i guess i should have anticipated this would be their response especially yeah. from ron DeSantis. but like right after the bank collapses ron DeSantis, maybe the front runner maybe the, you know second runner whatever mm-hmm. behind donald trump for the republican primary for president 2024 is blaming a bank failure on there being diversity on the board when the board was still majority old white men with probably a median age of like 65 yeah like come on bro like like can you like what are, nobody's serious anymore it's, what are we talking it's about the age-old conservative argument of oh a minority does something bad it's because they're a minority uh-huh. oh my god there's violence in inner city chicago it must be because of the uh fucking m4 a1s violence gene yeah. in uh black people that's well, gotta yeah, be it i mean all my gay banker friends they do have a lot of their uh their money their depositors money is tied up in uh, yeah. u.s bonds right you know now. all all my gay banker friends they're always too busy talking about um being gay <laughs> <laughs> instead of actually doing their work at the bank you know they're so distracted by (laughs) being gay or trans that's also a good point is like this idea (laughs) that hiring people and creating a diverse workforce is somehow a distraction for people yeah is somehow distracts from making profits like i don't i don't think that's how that works it's only a distraction for the white guys because they don't like minorities yeah like that's the distraction here especially because as many other people have pointed out the uh the diversity standards that companies set or i guess banks in some cases set uh, or try to say it's all almost always just ca- no it is always just camouflaged for their yeah. profit-seeking tendencies where they destroy the economy yeah, like that's know, it <laughs> i was talking to my trans banker friend yesterday to try to get uh, her perspective on it and she could only just talk about hormone therapy it's crazy she couldn't just actually talk about the money here in u.s bonds she, she couldn't give it to me straight <laughs> <laughs> No pun intended. It's a good one. Uh, <laughs> it's time to get on to the general critique, or at least the the critique I have coming out of yeah. this. And I've got I've got four main points, and they're all kind of interconnected. The first one, as we've already talked about, is obviously our economy is tied up in these massive fucking institutions mm-hmm. that are obviously not democratically run and have very little regulation attached to them. Again, if they fail, the economy's done. Average people are hurt, and the people at the top, honestly, will probably be fine yeah. for the most part. And there's just these these enormous institutions that we have no hope of doing anything about as an individual. And the only group that can do something is the federal government because they're the only ones with the power yeah. to to really step in and do something about it. Um, and, of course, as I mentioned before, under capitalism as an economic system, you have to have banks. You, you just have to. You have to. You need places for money to be stored. Because mm-hmm. uh, if, if we have a system that is based – uh, fundamentally on the accumulation of profit the profit's got to go somewhere you quite literally cannot fit 200 billion dollars under your mattress well and that's what i thought was funny about the svv bank run because it's like you get your money out wh- where's it gonna go 
Like, where are you going to put it? Oh, <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, what, yeah. you're, you're not hiding all of that under a bed, which is why I was like, this is How a do you take all that money? What's, what's going on? Like, where's Peter? T- I mean, I'm sure he's got the space to just stack up cash yeah. somewhere, but I thought it was it was kind of bizarre. Because that's a, like, I mean, I know people have trouble imagining Maybe how much Maybe I'm just too dumb is. to understand, but now I'm just hung up on where the fuck did they withdraw it to? Yeah, no, exactly. Huh. But they, they did a bank run. They probably just moved it to another bank, that's to be honest. That's what I would imagine. But, um, my third point is that, and this is the most unnecessary thing I think of all. The thing that confuses me the most is that for some reason in this country, banks are privately run for the point of profit. I was this say. causes so many fucking pro. Like, why? why? Why do you need to make money on other people having money? It doesn't exactly. make sense. It's like the, the function of a bank, it, it's like, I don't know. I guess with fractional reserve banking, it's different because banks play a, a key role in like economic growth and development. But it's not real. It's none of it's real. That's what I'm saying. None it's, of it's real. We, we say that we have like a financial industry. They're not producing anything. It's all fictive. That's why our yeah. economy collapses every eight years. And, and it's also like the industry. It's not, it's not anything like it tangible uh necessarily like but it's not like labor here this mm-hmm. is this is purely capital doing capital things right yeah. and when something like this is so so huge and integral to the economy like it, it fails and we collapse as a civilization i feel like it should be subject to incredibly strict scrutiny mm-hmm. and just kind of nationalized it yeah. just fucking dissolved into the government yeah, because, I mean, when you think of a bank, you typically think of, you know, an organization where you can go and put your money and where it will be safe or, uh, until you need to withdraw it and yeah. use it for something. But when it comes to stuff like this, like, why why are banks – it just doesn't make sense to me why banks are literally allowed to gamble with your money. And then if they make a bad investment, your money might not just be gone, but the economy is flipping and flailing. Yeah. And then the federal government has to pay out more than the bank ever actually had inside of it. Especially fucking 90% of the money that the bank, like, holds onto. They can just do pretty much whatever the fuck yeah, they want it with. It's ridiculous What's going on? And, and stuff like this will continue to happen. And this is my final point. But stuff like this is going to continue to happen, even with greater regulation, because our economy, especially through deregulation throughout the last mm-hmm. several decades, has become a lot more fictive. Like, our production isn't really production anymore. Yeah. We've lost our manufacturing capacity. We have a enormous service sector now. And everything else that we produce in our GDP is just like uh, this this fictive banking financial industry stuff. Like, none yeah. of it's real. Because when, when you get to, like, that level of finance, Mm-hmm. within this economy right when so you get to like when you yeah. get to banks and stocks it is all built on again trust and speculation with like the stock market and other money markets like that it is all entirely built on actually um this company just announced this so i think these investors are going to do this so i as an investor am going to want to counter those investors mm-hmm. doing that so i'm speculating on this and uh somewhere in this i have good fundamentals because i i sold when the flag went like this well, and, and it's, that's my it's ridiculous. That's my problem with uh, the growing market for like cryptocurrencies and NFTs, etc. Yeah. Is because there's nothing real backing those up. There's no it, fundamental. It, there's just nothing there. At least when you like buy stock in a company, there's at the ground level something being produced. Typically, like yeah. if you go and buy stock in Apple, for example, they're making products. You can criticize how they do it, the capitalist mode of production, mm-hmm. etc. But there's something physical yeah. that is that is producing value in the economy. Despite all the layers of abstraction that you have with right. the actual stock market and the speculation within it. Apple is making goods and services, mm-hmm. and when they do something bad, there's some reaction that will happen within the speculative market. With a cryptocurrency, it is all 100% built on faith. 
Well, and, and even with uh, these like tech companies and venture capitalists yeah. and stuff, where, like they're producing like what extensions of Google Chrome. You know, like that, those aren't real things that are providing value to the. They're making like uh, competitors for Zoom. Like these aren't these aren't real things that are contributing value to the country. And I can only feel as though situations like the one we saw at SVB and Signature mm -hmm. Bank, et cetera, are going to get worse as more and more of our economy just goes online yeah. and becomes integrated with the internet. Because like, what? There's nothing there anymore. It's nothing physical. Nothing actually producing value for people. Uh, and the only way out of it that I see is a massive, massive investment in consumerism for this country on physical, actual, tangible things that produce real value mm -hmm. for people. But that would require both people having the money to do that. So things like increased wages, um, yeah. access to healthcare, that kind of thing, and also massive infrastructures and investment. Those two things will really bring back the tangibility of our economy, but that takes a lot of government spending and raising taxes on the rich, which we just aren't equipped to do They're right just now. just not willing yeah. at all. There's no one. Ridiculous. Because when you're typically when an economy begins to suffer and you have things like inflation and interest rates are screwing everybody over, you raise taxes on, well, everybody usually, but mostly yeah. on the rich so that spending stops, spending slows down so that you can give your time, your, your economy uh, time to cool down. But mm -hmm. we, we don't do that. We're not interested in doing that. The only way that we can actually solve inflation is by screwing over poor people, which we've talked about extensively. Exactly. The, the only way we can solve inflation is by the Fed increasing interest rates so yeah. they can't buy homes. Yeah, yeah. And we didn't even mention, obviously, and I don't even think it needs mentioning because everyone else has brought this up, but the same people, of course, that want the bank bailouts are uh, the ones saying no student debt relief. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of fun. Like the federal government acts immediately to bail these people out, and I know it's di like it's obviously different, mm -hmm. right? Student loans are obviously different than what these um, the companies are involved in with SVB, but at the same time, it's like our, our 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 government can move so quick to solve their problems, but can't do anything to solve mm -hmm. regular people's problems because our uh, that's not what our economy's for. It's not the point. Oh no, the, our economy exists to uh, be a fucking. Uh masturbatory reflection of itself yeah. and to hold itself up yeah yeah uh anyway i think that ends our little coverage our little yeah, coverage, uh, just speaking on coverage. speaking about uh, gay people doing everything wrong yeah. and uh being wrong it's time to travel to kentucky yeah yeah uh, gay people have been in power for so that's long, what man. i'm saying like, home of mitch mcconnell uh -huh. home of rand and ron paul oh uh, yeah i yeah. think uh notably uh three great people uh, I met Ron really Paul. the father, son, and Holy Spirit, if you ask me. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. It doesn't matter who is who; they're interchangeable. <laughs> exactly, they're all the same. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But anyway, a couple of days ago, the not so great state of Kentucky uh -huh. saw. It looks like they saw our episode, the Hitto Awards they 2022. Listened. They listened, and they were kind of upset of how far ahead Florida was in the running for worst state of 2023. It is a competition. It is, and they they really wanted to one up Florida with this next piece of legislation. We're gonna this talk one's on. About. Us for gamifying being awful. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Sorry, guys. This one is uh, Kentucky Senate Bill 150, uh -huh. also known as the Parental Rights Bill. I love that little motif within these. <laughs> within this Roasting literary like, analysis on these bills. <laughs> this is like conservative anti LGBTQ legislation on the blank rights bill. It's yep. never LGBTQ rights, it's never the rights of marginalized groups that need them. It's uh -huh. reaffirming the rights of this group that we made up to be a victim or this group that we are uh, co-opting the struggle of to yeah. further marginalize another minority. Yeah, it hasn't been the case that like every major piece of legislation for the past, what, 40, 50 years has been targeted at keeping the nuclear family together. Yeah. Uh, actually, it's the case that the nuclear family is under attack and they're on the brink of destruction. Exactly. Because uh, the left <laughs> has always won all of its battles. Because two two dads are coming through exactly. and they're going to get them. Well, exactly. Two dads and two moms. 
Yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter if the white picket fence stays around. It doesn't matter if you still have two and a half kids. If it's two dads in the family, that's a sin. Exactly. You're going to hell. It's wrong. And, and it's my job to save you. And uh, Senate Bill 150 is going to combat this and uh-huh. give rights back to parents. Oh, and great. <laughs> it show parents their worth. You know what I'm saying? And it does this by combining all of the worst bits of pretty much every prominent bit of anti-trans <laughs> legislation we've covered for the past, like, year and a half that's right folks it's an eight for one special that's right that's right so let's just let's get into what this bill is talking about right here so this bill will ban gender affirming care in pretty much all conceivable ways banning doctors from being able to quote this is i'm quoting this from the text of the bill for anybody uh, that commented on our previous episode that kind of blew up, so thank you all exactly. for, for, for the help exactly. there. Uh, thank you uh, thank you all for commenting on that. <laughs> but for any of you that were commenting, they don't look at the bills. Uh, they're not using any specific quotes. Uh, we are. We this literally is a always, direct quote in from fact, the text of the bill. We, we always, always do, do this. Yeah. We do. It's, it's Every who we time. are. I'm always reading Iowa State legislation, Kentucky yes. State legislation. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Anyway, quote. Doctors will not be allowed to prescribe or administer any drug to delay or stop normal puberty, prescribe or administer testosterone, estrogen, or progesterone in amounts greater than what would normally be produced androgynously in a healthy person of the same age and sex, perform any sterilizing surgery, including castration, hysterectomy, uh, ophorectomy, or cheectomy. Uh, prenectomy and vasectomy mm-hmm. perform any surgery that artificially constructs tissue having the appearance of genitalia differing from the minor sex, including uh, m- fuck metoidioplasty, phalloplasty, and vaginoplasty, or remove in any healthy or non diseased body part or tissue. That last part is like kind of it's one of the things that like stuck out to me because the rest of it is very unfortunately bog standard yeah, for like bills yeah. like this it goes a little bit step further in just strictly banning all gender affirming care mm-hmm. but the part about removing any healthy or non-diseased body part or tissue gets me because you're directly attacking just like certain aspects of healthcare, mm-hmm. especially for for women like can breast reduction surgeries happen anymore? I, I was just wondering what about like some plastic surgeries uh, I, I would imagine plastic surgeries are all banned because the only exceptions carved into the bill is that children born with a quote medically verifiable disorder of sex development can have these and the bill also carves out an exception for detransitioners of course well of course detransitioners people that have uh, yeah, people a lot of those exactly but the thing I was wondering about was like uh, say like a kid gets attacked by like a dog right gets like uh-huh. bitten in the face horribly scarred can they not have plastic surgery to fix themselves uh, up th- there's there's a carve out in the bill that talks about injury disease or disorder mm. that's why i talk about like breast reduction surgery because that's a right. surgery that like plenty of women need to get done because their breasts are too big and they're back causing hurts. like back pain yeah. mental anguish shit like that so it's like that's just something that happens and that's good i'd imagine no one would actually prosecute for something like that because these are strictly aimed at trans people but i say this to point out how you 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 can't just limit care in this way. Yeah, you you yeah. can't. You're gonna you're gonna necessarily affect other people too, and it's wrong to affect trans people. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're you're going it's not consistent, right? Exactly. Like, There's it, no logical consistency. The, the point is to be an anti-trans, anti-LGBTQ bill in more ways than one, which I'm sure we'll get to. Yeah. But uh, yeah, like it's, it's inconsistent. It's gonna like people are gonna catch strays, for lack of a better phrase. It's, you're catching straight. Yeah. Precisely. Yeah. Precisely. Yeah. Um, notably, with regards to doctors, still, if doctors were to violate any of these laws 
laws, their license will be revoked, and they're opened up to civil wow. action you know, it's, from, it's the, quote, unquote, victims of these surgeries. It's the bounty hunting bill. And we talked about this with, with Kansas last yeah. week. It's literally the, uh, the it's targeting doctors and their ability to practice so mm-hmm. that you can just cut it off at its source. Exactly. Which is, um, I, I guess, scarily effective, but not good. Not, not good, good. At all. Morally wrong. I hate it. At all. Um, this bill is also a bathroom bill. Nice. Uh, banning the use of, quote, bathrooms, locker rooms, and shower rooms that are reserved for students of a different biological sex. Mm-hmm. If a student asserts to school officials with written consent from parents that don't want to that they don't want to use the bathroom assigned at birth, the bab, if you will, uh-huh. uh, <laughs> they can pursue reasonable accommodations of a single stall bathroom. Oh, separate but equal. <laughs> that's exactly. worked really well uh, another one of my like questions when reading that was aren't there already single stall bathrooms that they could just fucking use anyway mm-hmm. or now are single stall bathrooms only going to be for the trans kids no, to se- other them right separate but equal exactly yeah um yeah, there was this uh this good mo- well not a great moment but like good based on the circumstances yeah uh there's some uh gender or some bathroom bill that's going up in virginia right mm-hmm. now and glenn yunkin had the mistake of doing a town hall and asked questions about it and this um trans student came up a trans man who has been not really out as a man but has undergone certain transitions mm-hmm. etc uh presents as a man anyone would look at this uh, person and be like yep that's a, that's a guy interact with them yep. as a male within society because uh, gender is a construct and this this trans man this kid he gets up and he's like okay would you want me to use the uh, women's restroom like would mm-hmm. you be comfortable for me to go into the restroom with your daughters in there and the answer is like obviously no yeah. Because everyone treats you as though you're a male. Uh, people understand that you are, well, he kind of had to out himself for this to work. Yeah. Uh, but people understand you socially. They treat you as a male. Obviously, they wouldn't want you going into the women's bathroom. And that's like the inconsistency with all these bills is yeah. you only cause more problems. Because it doesn't make sense. How can, how can gender be strictly what's in your pants when gender as we know it, as we interact with the world is how you interact with yeah. someone else, the the social context with which you interact with people. Right. That's what gender is. Social roles that certain people fulfill, um, certain contexts that make certain people of a gender act a specific way. Mm-hmm. How can you show me your cock? Yeah. Just walk right. up to someone show and it. show me your cock before me I it. before I decide how I'm going to approach you. Before I decide yeah. if I'm going to hit you with a dab or do something like that. Show me your cock. Yeah. And I, I posted uh, one of the, we posted one of the clips of our last episode where we're talking about similar things, obviously. Yeah. It's a, I think again, it's a motif. the exact same thing. Uh, and somebody comments on our Instagram. We posted Instagram reels and they said something along the lines of like, you guys are dumb. Obviously, uh, sex and gender is defined by, you know, like what sex organ you have in your pants but and it's like how? dog how? how and also like practically what are you gonna do like when, take when, it out let me see when you encounter someone male to female transition or female to male transition anyone who transitions and if they pass again not that you have to be passing to be valid i'm no right no exactly. trans medicalist over here but anyway if they completely pass you will interact with them in your day-to-day life as if they were a cis woman or a cis man right. because you would have no other way of telling what they are unless you just straight up ask to see their cock yeah no exactly like, Exactly. No, they, and and that's really all it is. Is that there's no practical way for you to confirm this if they're passing. And again, of course, you don't have to pass, but it's just like the the unimaginable amount of stupidity that has to go into these bills. Mm-hmm. Just and it's it's going to hurt people. Like that's that's what it's for. The amount but. that they have to suspend their disbelief just to be able to 
justify putting forth and this bill. What's the biological basis for like uh, boys having blue and girls having pink? Exactly. There's, it's not there. You have to acknowledge there's an amount of social roles that play into gender standards, especially because we know they've changed over time. Men used to wear high heels. They're created for men. Mm-hmm. Men used to wear dresses. They were, it was like a royalty thing. Like, come on. We, yeah, we know this. What innately makes women gravitate towards makeup? Yeah. Or have they just been shown other women wearing makeup their whole entire lives and like, oh, okay, that's something that I have to do. Are there societal expectations that inform their development why is it that um this is something that i I saw a lot when i was younger but why isn't it when like a man is asked to hold a purse for like a a woman that he's with that's seen as like a loss of manhood oh like it's a bag you know what i mean like what 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 biological trait serves that process of Uh losing manhood for all it doesn't make sense to me It, it there is no biological backing for it it's all social stereotypes or social standards that we've set up for ourselves and you have to acknowledge that Mm -hmm. like it's just it, it's ridiculous. And they just ridiculous. don't, they they refuse the reality that's just fucking staring them in their face, mm-hmm. and it's ridiculous. But moving on from the bathroom bill, because we're uh, not done yet, this is also a don't say gay bill. Uh, uh, children, quote, quote, children in grade five and below do not receive any instruction through curriculum or programs on human sexuality or sexually transmitted diseases. Mm-hmm. Any child, regardless of grade level, enrolled in the district does not receive any instruction or presentation that has a goal or purpose of students studying or exploring gender identity, gender expression, or sexual That's orientation. crazy. A policy to notify a parent in advance and obtain the parent's written consent before the parent's uh, child in grade six or above receives any instruction through curriculum or programs on human sexuality or sexually transmitted diseases authorized in this section. Uh, sex ed lessons are also subject to review by parents before they're they're taught to the kids and the kids mm-hmm. can be opted out of these lessons at any time. Um, educators or other students do not have to comply with requests of students to go by program pronouns contrary wow. to those on their birth certificate. Jesus Christ. And that's it's, it's that's literally, sweeping. It, no, yeah, it is it is a sweep. And here's the thing, right? They're kind of giving the game away a little bit with putting all of this into one bill. Yeah. Obviously, this is the I hate trans people bill. For sure. Like, like they can make the argument that we're protecting the children, we're protecting students, we're protecting parental rights. That's what they named the bill. Uh, but they have the medical stuff in here, they have the bathroom bill stuff in here, and they have the you can just be awful to trans people. Yeah. And you also shouldn't talk to students about any of this that don't say gay portion. Uh, obviously, it's the I hate trans kids bill. For sure. Like, that's it. Well, And of course, um, also, uh, it's a sexual orientation in here, so the uh, gay people are bad bill as well. Yeah, it's the banning literally any discussion on gender expression, gender mm-hmm. identity. I went and I like I'm again I read through the fucking bill it makes a carve out it makes an exception for if there's like a historical figure that you are teaching about that was gay if their gayness has anything to do with like (laughs) their fight within history exactly their fight within history then you can mention it but if their gayness has nothing to do with what's relevant about them then you can't mention it but again who determines that, right? Yeah. Because when you have leaders in the past, especially in the in the twentieth century, yeah. who were gay, it's significant just based on the fact that they were gay during that mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. During a time where being gay is seen as something that's even more wrong than it is now. Yeah. That's what's significant about that. Can you only say that people were gay if you're teaching about the Stonewall riots? Right. Which isn't something that really gets taught about in high schools anyway. Oh, I didn't learn about that in high we, school. No, we absolutely did not learn did about, not that learn about that in high school. school at all. I learned about that on TikTok. Thank <laughs> God teachers are generally socially liberal because holy shit, it would be bad if they weren't. Oh, yeah. 
like think like teachers generally are opposing these kinds of measures. They speak out against this stuff, find clever ways to get around these rules. Thank God they're not just like going along with the kind of I don't know party line yeah. with this one. Or like uh, literature teachers teaching about how like oh this author actually had a secret gay lover. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's something that gets taught about all the time. And it's like, that is significant because it's highlighting the bigotry of the time and how right. far that we've come. Yeah. But I know that within the text of how this bill is written, that would be outlawed because, well, oh, what is it? Is it Emily Dickinson? Did she have a, I don't, idea. I don't fucking know. I'm not a huge literature guy. Yeah. Anyway, insert gay author, secretly yeah. gay author here. Um, that's not pertinent to, um, insert whatever book they read here mm -hmm. so you can't mention that they're gay why yeah just why it's not indoctrinating your kids your kid's not gonna want to suck cock yeah. just because he hears about how somebody else wanted to and if and if you know he grows up and he wants to he's always gonna have wanted to you know exactly. what i mean like there's, there's no avoiding and that. that's fine it's better for a, a kid to start understanding themselves earlier on rather than to feel as though they've been punished or socially ostracized their entire life for just being who they are. Mm -hmm. uh, that should not be a hot take. And here's here's another take that I want to offer, or at least I want to try to articulate, right? There's a lot of a lot of parents that are either reactionary or legislators that are certainly reactionary yeah. that'll say like, oh, why do you think you need to talk to children about sexual orientation or give sex ed below, say, grade level six or whatever mm -hmm. it may be? And the thing there is it's like, okay, we understand sexual orientation, gender identity, gender expression, et cetera, is a part of human experience, right? Yeah. We all understand that sexual orientation and sexual expression and just like sex in general as a concept is a thing humans do. It's, yeah. it's a part of human existence. Uh, sex actually necessary for human existence. You're, you're going to need to demonstrate some harm to me that comes along with explaining these terms to young people as they're growing up. I, for one, think it's better, and I actually know this because there's studies and statistics yeah. and stuff behind it. I, for one, think it's better for kids to get a more holistic understanding of themselves and the people around them early on so they can grow up and be a bit maybe mentally healthier well, and understand themselves a bit earlier. That's exactly the thing, is they can't justify why they think there is harm in learning it, but I can justify precisely why there is harm in not having yeah. sex education yeah. when you're young. Because not having sex ed when you're none, young means you don't know what to look for. Yeah. And we know there are studies done. Kids who don't have sex education when they're younger don't know about sex when they're young or more likely to be molested. Yeah. They're more likely yeah. to be involved in sexually violent situations yeah. because they don't know what to look for and they don't know what's wrong. Another thing that struck me about this, prohibiting teaching about sexually transmitted diseases. Mm Why? -hmm. Why? Yeah. That's wild, or at least in like when younger, like just just why it, they no, can't it articulate it. It's purely a culture war item. No, there are objections to either sex education or just teaching about sexual orientation or the sexual orientation of historical figures. It's all vibes based. Yeah, like, yeah. It's and it's the same reason why they object to uh, gender affirming care and our current model for that. There is no evidence to suggest that our current model for gender affirming care is harming people. In fact, there's more evidence to suggest that it's helping people mm -hmm. as they grow up because as they grow up they're they're not having regret rates for surgeries or for hormone therapy or whatever it is they're engaging yeah. in and right now all available evidence says that our current model for gender affirming care is, is pretty good doctors psychiatrists uh -huh. therapists the actual experts in these things are the ones who are coming forward and saying yeah this actually helps and then we have legislators who come through with their own individual agendas trying to seize power within the culture war mm -hmm. and they're the ones that are out here practicing medicine without a medical license yeah. and outlawing these procedures exactly and and the reason they object to it 
isn't because of any real statistic they can point to or understanding they have of the system. It's that it makes me feel like something bad's going to happen. Mm -hmm. It's just like, oh, I think it's going to go wrong in the future. Yeah. You have no evidence for this. It's just, oh, but what if they regret it? No, that's it. That's literally what, what once if, you, though? Once you get down to it, because they're, they're, their big thing right now is detransitioners when it comes to gender affirming yeah. care. Once you get down to the ground level argument they're making, it's, oh, what if they do regret it? What if? What if every let surgery them regret it? Like every, every procedure, literally everything, therapy, regular therapy, yeah, has regret rates for it. Obviously, there like, are women who regret getting breast implants. Mm -hmm. There are women who have complications as a result of getting breast implants. Yeah, no one is out here trying to uh, outlaw breast implants. Yeah, there are women who regret getting their BBLs. No one is out here. Well, yeah. they're technically illegal already, but no one is out <laughs> here like women shouldn't be able to travel and go get these. You know what I'm saying? Right. Just because the procedure is dangerous. But it's, it goes back to a point that I brought up uh, last week on the pod is because those procedures fall within patriarchal norms and yeah. standards. And those are procedures that women undergo to um, make themselves more beautiful in the eyes of patriarchy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And these these people deem trans trans genderism uh, yeah. to be ugly and they deem gender affirming care to be ugly and immoral and unholy that's why yeah. these things are being outlawed there's no real difference again breast implants gender affirming care getting my fucking receding hairline fixed gender affirming mm -hmm. care like that that's what it is they yeah. just don't like the idea of transness yeah no exactly the overwhelming amount of medical evidence suggests and research that has been done suggests that our current model for gender affirming care as well as teaching kids about sex education as they're growing up and sexual orientation, et cetera, all evidence suggests it's only a good thing mm -hmm. and that more research should be done to make it even more effective and to prevent kids from, you know, being trapped in uh, potentially predatory relationships or whatever else it may be. Like everything we do to get kids to under have a more holistic understanding of the world around them and everything we do to help trans kids as they discover their own identity seems to be working. Yeah. And the people that want to make it worse are not people on the left. It's not Democrats that are trying to trans your kids or whatever they're saying. It's Republicans that just want to make it harder to exist. Yeah. That's all it is. And it's, I, it's, it's that's insane. It. It's disturbing. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And just to just to put the nail in the coffin with this bill, another completely awful addition to it is that um, the bill also makes it so that schools are required to notify parents of kids if kids receive counseling at school. Just counseling in general? Yeah. That's crazy. What if it's, it's the also, parent's fault? For that's what I'm going to say. So incredibly dangerous. Yeah. If a kid is going and they're being abused by their parent, their parent that is abusing them has to be notified of them getting counseling. Mm -hmm. And then they what? They come home that day and the parents like so what'd you get counseling for mm -hmm. and they're like oh it's just for this and this oh really is it what that is and then you just contribute to more harm and abuse going on yeah yeah i have a <laughs> i have a potentially hot take okay for parental rights thing uh bills that focus on restoring parental rights unironically only make grooming more likely oh 100 uh, because yeah. grooming is most likely to happen from somebody you know and especially someone from within your family they, they, so by giving parents a greater grip over children and by basically taking away the freedom and rights of children that yeah. you know they have and have access to uh you're only making grooming more likely and that's the what the republican they, they party quite to do. literally reinforce ideas that children yeah. are not their own individual people yes. and children Children are yours. Property. You own these children. They are to do what you say. Yeah.
It's ridiculous. I, I keep seeing this line of attack where people like, I think Candace Owens specifically has repeated this over and over. Oh, she's got very bad takes uh, on this. Saying like, why would you want children to have their own rights? Do you just want to like take control of them for yourself? Like, why are you so interested in other people's kids? It's like, no, children like, no. are human beings. Yeah. Uh, they all ha should have some kind of legal codified system of rights and giving parents more of a grip over their children only makes grooming more likely as kids won't have options to get out of that kind of relationship. Children should have reasonable agency. Yeah. Right. Yes. Like, like your job as a parent is to protect your child, provide for your child, not completely and utterly control your child mm -hmm. in every every way that they express themselves and everything that they do. That is so incredibly and demonstrably just wrong. Yeah. And no. just leads to harmful outcomes and leads to more resentment. But then that kid grows up and they don't want to they don't want to talk to their parents anymore understandably i wonder why <laughs> and they go and they double down and they say the left is tearing my family apart my liberal daughter won't talk to us look how intolerant they are uh-huh it's it's asinine crazy world we're out here living in for real yeah for real yeah. does that wrap up the kansas bill i think that does wrap up the kansas bill we've got one more major news story for this week and boy is it a banger oh because apparently according to the man himself Donald Trump might be arrested soon. Donald Trump with a banger post on Truth Social. It seems that uh, Trump's legal team right now is preparing for a potential indictment on the Stormy Daniels case where he allegedly had Michael Cohen, a lawyer, pay Stormy Daniels hush money to keep an affair quiet during the 2016 election. That's yeah. what this one's about. Uh, and Trump said he, he posted this on Truth Social that he expects it to happen on Tuesday. Uh, so look out for that. Look out for that. That's that's going to be crazy. I'm going to be so fucking mad if he actually gets arrested on Tuesday mm -hmm. and just the, the day before the pod comes out yeah. on Wednesdays for everyone else. I guess that's just another reason to go subscribe to the Patreon. Yeah. No, so that so that you know you get this conversation right now and then when it does eventually happen on Tuesday and fuck us over, you can see it on Sunday yeah. instead of the following Wednesday. Yeah. As I said, Trump laid all of this out in a social uh, or Trump laid all of this out in a truth social post where he also called for protests uh, and told some Supporters to quote take our nation back mm. uh so it's unclear if uh, violent protests are going to be coming out of this but i guess we'll see yeah uh but that's pretty cool trump being arrested that's and a fun just sight the direct call to violence is crazy too <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well and he'll say it's not about he said point peaceful protest <laughs> An unambiguous call to protest <laughs> and violence crazy and a take i've been seeing from a lot of conservatives even like elon musk is that uh an arrest will just hand trump the election what do you think of this? <laughs> Absolutely not. Because I, I think they fail to realize that all of the all of the liberals that won Joe Biden the race in 2020 will just be further um, justified in their yeah. voting for Joe Biden. And it will also galvanize the other side. Mm -hmm. It will just make the right more extreme and it will verify the right's fears of the deep state going after Trump while right. just codifying liberals thoughts of uh, orange man badness. Yeah, I think that it does fail to account for the fact that, you know, maybe maybe the right's galvanized by Trump getting arrested. Yeah. Maybe they push even harder for him to get elected. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, I think most Americans probably don't want a convicted criminal to be in the in the Oval Office. Yeah. Uh, and I think that'll just push. I mean, it'll divide the country more. Sure. It'll be a major political divide, a major issue within the election if Trump gets convicted of something. But I don't think it, it hands him the I don't think that's given at all. And it's, it's also just uh, kind of discounting the role that DeSantis will play when True. he eventually comes to run because if Trump does get arrested if Trump gets uh found guilty found guilty indicted whatever 
and mm-hmm. actually goes and does prison or jail time or house rest time or whatever, how does Ron DeSantis fit into this when he right. eventually does run in 2024? Because uh, the only reason he hasn't announced his run for 2024, I found out this week, is because there's a law in Florida saying that if the governor were to run for president, they have to resign. Yeah, he's going to change that bitch. And the Florida <laughs> legislature are working on changing it right now. Yeah, exactly. No, yeah, that'll be interesting to see how Ron DeSantis plays in because if, if Ron wants to keep the MAGA base, uh, he's probably got to say that – Donald Trump was elected on phony charges, but if he says that, then why are you running at all? Shouldn't you just give it to Donald Trump? If no, he's the literally, because that's it's like a, it's like a catch twenty two. I yeah. don't know how anybody wins, and if Trump Trump somehow doesn't win the nomination in twenty twenty four, honestly, I feel like this is the the golden ticket scenario. The best case scenario is Trump doesn't win the nomination in twenty twenty four. Ron DeSantis wins the nomination. Trump runs as an independent. Yeah. Play spoiler. Uh, whoever shitty candidate the Democrats put up wins. Yeah, I can't imagine Trump getting behind Ron DeSantis. Absolutely not. But it also could be the case that, like, Trump beats his charges, loses the primary, and then just kind of... I I don't know. I also can't imagine him sitting out, though. No, there's no way. doing nothing. But I I also can't imagine him trying and, like, actually putting effort into being an independent, because that's a lot of work. You know, you can't just rely on the Republican Party to do it for you. It's already work, but he does have, like... The base. True, yeah. Like he's got a huge base right now, and I feel like if all like the MAGA MAGA people just didn't vote in the Republican primary, I feel like that'd be that'd be a tough win for Ron DeSantis. Yeah. And I would even even either way, I would rather have Trump as president than Ron DeSantis. Oh, for sure. Ron I don't DeSantis know if that's bad. a hot take right now or anything, but clearly Ron DeSantis legislatively has been awful. Yeah. And we can trace how Ron DeSantis has pushed Trump to the right. Yeah. Like Trump was not coming through and talking about, I'm going to ban all gay people exactly. uh, before Ron DeSantis passed the don't say gay bill. Well, and it's like Trump, Trump does what he does because he wants praise. He yeah. wants to hear an audience clap for him. Ron DeSantis does what he does because he enjoys human suffering. Exactly. No, that is Guantanamo the Bay torturer. So I don't think it's a hot take if you're thinking utilitarianly that you want Donald Trump over Ron DeSantis uh, in an election, especially because yeah. I think Joe Biden has an easier time against Donald Trump. But oh, Ron sure. DeSantis enjoys human suffering. Ron DeSantis is genuinely scary. Yeah. Like it is genuinely scary to think of the things that he could do, mm-hmm. especially because he doesn't have all the. Uh, all of the baggage attached to him that liberals hate that Donald Trump has. Yeah. And it would be easier for a liberal to justify reaching across the aisle to work with Ron DeSantis than it is for Donald Trump because mm-hmm. of the way that he's Trump is portrayed in the media and how right. they're so like optics focused in the wrong ways. Yeah. Trump is dangerous. He, you know, got an insurrection on the government going, obviously very bad guy. But at its heart, he's a washed up celebrity that somehow ended up in the Oval Office and is now in charge of this massive political movement. Ron DeSantis is a demon in human skin. Real. That can camouflage himself as a regular Republican and an extremist at the same time. He's a dangerous guy and he's got to be stopped. So bad. Actually, actually, genuinely just so bad. Got to be defeated at the ballot box. You know what I'm saying? Uh You know what I'm saying? Uh Uh-huh. But I think that brings us to the end of the uh, the episode. It we does. appreciate you all for for making it through, for listening to the banking section. That's right. Listening to the the anti LGBTQ section, Riffing and now the stuff. Donnie section, you know? the Donald Rump. You know what I'm saying? Donald Rump, put him with it, get it, get him my Donald Hump, and give him a Donald <laughs> baby bump. You know what I mean? <laughs> this brings us to the end of the episode where we got to thank our uh, depositors. Oh, the that's Bank. that's that's right. You keep ten percent of your money on the, file. The people that would <laughs> the people that would never do a, a bank run on Hitto. Right on the 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 Hitto International Bank. <laughs> they never withdraw. Right. <laughs> I'm gonna have to get started with a uh, cricket scrapbook layouts. Nikki Nine Lives, Caden Kraut, Lord T, Chris the Postman, Christy Beck, Talia Cots, Forty Percent Spite, Andrew Harris, Mike Chaplinsky, Mattias T, Omar Zuno, Clayton Lafed, Mark Yeager, Sarah McRoberts, Dylan B, Kat Kaz, Caleb Joy. <laughs> 
uh, Jim Bobs, Carl D, Rich Toro, Tari, Gavin Meyer, Maldonado, Hunter W, Fergalaki, Max Vasquez, Jacob Rogers, Colton Mooberry, Fixer Punk, Jim Egbers, mm. Jeff Muzzy, mm. Ted Cruz's Boy mm. Toy, Bagel Burrito, mm. Cincy mm. Alex, Brad, mm. Joe Stenstrom, mm. Austin Reed, and Adrian Sandoval. Chloe Sam 601, Colleen Cuts, Timothy Espinosa, Gregory is in my name, Barry Yuk, Jennifer DeVoe, Big Bird Titty, Eliza Crawfishin, Beneth Bennington III, Alexia Benante, Nietzsche, Big Booty Beatdown, Moises T, uh, Moises T, Sam Maloney, Two-Headed Boy, Jeremy Cadret, Ben Shapiro's Boyfriend, Jonathan Cassis, Luke O'Shea, Daniel Jackson, The Word of Microsoft, Jennifer Signs, uh, Aaron and his Gundam Gundams, Darth Father and my mom. Thank you all so much for supporting the show on Patreon. Easily. We literally couldn't do it without you. Could not. Hey, if you're a sponsor listening to this episode, a potential sponsor, LLC now. We're official. <laughs> Go ahead and reach out to us. Uh, Hit on media. <laughs> ready to sell out. Uh, <laughs> yeah. If you could give us like uh, $5,000 per ad read, if, I'll read anything. If, if, yeah, <laughs> if you're a, a sponsor looking to have your 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 stuff sponsored yeah. on this episode and you're okay with uh, two goofy leftist progressives, hit us up. You Go know where to find it. us. You know, you find it. our email, find our Instagram, Head DM the us. Spot at gmail.com. You already exactly, know. Exactly, exactly. So uh, thank you all for listening to the show, and we'll see you all next week. Have a great one.